You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Genesis 39 this morning, and uh, as you're turning there, just uh, we, we preached the first 12 verses of this text last week, and um, Joseph was tempted to sin, but he refused and ran away. And I'm thankful for that example, by the way. I'm thankful that we have some help in God's word how to resist te- uh, sin and temptation uh, because uh, it's everywhere. And I know that's not popular to preach about sin. You know, you're supposed to come to church and hear about God's love. We sang about God's love. Well, the reason God's love means so much to us is because we know how the, 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 the depths of our sin And the fact that we know who we are and we know what we deserve means we can praise God for his love all the more because we certainly don't deserve God's love. And so I'm thankful for that truth and then the truth here in our text from last week. And today I want to give an overview of the whole, maybe the whole chapter and then focus on the last half. Um, And because there are a couple things that stand out to me as I look at Genesis 39. The first, obviously, is about Joseph and his consistency. Uh, Joseph is a faithful teenager, and he's doing right in every situation. The second thing I notice is the fact that Joseph is doing right doesn't mean he gets to escape the hardships of life. And we need to understand that. Just because you're doing right, just because you've done right before, just because you've obeyed, it doesn't mean that God says, okay, life is easy. If you've you've lived any length of time at all, then you know that's true. But the third point that I want to look at or think about as I was coming through this text is this. Yes, Joseph was consistent. And yes, he had to deal with hardship, um, even though he was doing right. But the best truth of all in this is that God is more consistent than we are. And even when we face hardship, we have a father who absolutely loves us. And walks with us every step of the way. And I want to see that in Joseph's life. How when, when we uh, do what we're supposed to, God always does what he's, he's going to do. And so let's look at Genesis 39. Go ahead and stand. And we'll begin reading. This is after the temptation. Just as a reminder, last week we looked at the fact that Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery. This, those human traffickers sold him to Potiphar, which is the captain of the guard for Pharaoh. And he was doing well. Things were going well. He's a slave in Potiphar's house, but he was being faithful. He was being consistent. And yet Potiphar's wife cast her eyes on him. He was, he was a, a handsome young man. He was well built. Um, and, and she looked at him and, and went after him. And he resisted her day by day by day, which is a wonderful testimony for the young men in this room. You live in, we live in a very sexualized country. Our culture is throwing that at you all the time. And if you want to stand out and be blessed by God, you learn to say no, young men and young women. We live in a sexualized culture that that is not pleasing to God. Um, It's everywhere. And if you can learn to say no, you'll protect yourself from a lot of heartache. Joseph did. He ran away. He resisted. And we come to verse 13. And this is is where the, the last half of our message today will be focused on. Verse 13, it says, and it came to pass when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand. Because he ran away. He didn't even bother getting his coat. He just ran. He got out of there and was fled forth that she called unto the men of her house and spake unto them saying, see, he that's talking about her husband. Now now she's bad mouthing her husband. This is a woman of low character. Okay. He, my husband, hath brought in in Hebrew unto us to mock us. He came in unto me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. You know, nobody else was in the house. She was the one going after Joseph, but she makes herself to be the victim. And it came to pass, when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. And she laid up his garment by her until his Lord came home. Now just time out. Imagine this. She takes his garment And I imagine she like sets it up in some way that it makes him look really guilty. You know, it's kind of like, you know, the people that take a selfie 
just woke up this morning. It took him 10 minutes to pose the picture. Like she takes the garment and she lays it in such a way that I'll put it right here so that when my husband gets home, he'll see just how bad I've had it. She lays the garment out. Her husband gets home and she says, this young man came after me. Look at verse um, 16, 17. And she spake unto her husband, unto him, according to these words, saying, the Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us. So passive aggressive blaming going on. Um, some of us husbands have felt that before. Which thou hast brought unto us. He came in unto me to mock me. And it came to pass as I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and fled out. And it came to pass when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound. And he was there in the prison, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand. Because the Lord was with him. And that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. I love the story of Joseph. And, and, and I, it's hard to know how to encapsulate all this. So I'm going to try to encapsulate all of it. Okay, so... We'll see what, how, we, how we do this morning. But I just want to, the message I, I want to preach to you this morning that I think the Lord helped me with is this. Blessed like Joseph. See, if you want to be blessed like Joseph, like this teenage boy, then you've got to decide right now to be cons consistent in your convictions and character, even in difficulties. Amen. And if possible, it's, it's, not po it's not easy, but it's possible. But you have to decide that you want to be blessed like Joseph. Because most people, they come to the difficulty and they say, not worth it. And yet if we could see the end and realize the blessing that awaits the young man or the young woman or the old man or the old woman or the middle-aged man or woman, if we could see the blessings that await us, if we would just be consistent and faithful and do right, we would say, it is worth it. It's not easy but it's worth it. So do you want to be blessed like Joseph? We're going to look at, light, at that message this morning. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you bless the reading of your word. We need you. I need you, Lord. I pray that you'd help my voice and, and just help me as I convey this, that it wouldn't be me. It'd be your spirit, Lord, working through me. I pray that you'd fill us all with your spirit so that we would know exactly what it is that you want us to learn from this text. We love you and we need you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I was reading a story just this week on, uh, I think it was on ESPN or one of the sports uh, websites. Um, I was reading a story about, they, they put out a list of the 50 greatest players of all time or, or maybe it was a list of the greatest players at every position of all time in the NFL. And for those of you that are Vikings fans or uh, don't worry, there wasn't any Vikings on the list. Um, that's all right. There's no Cowboys on the list either, so, okay. No, uh, you know, so I was interested because I'm a football fan. I, I've stopped watching most of it, actually, the last few years, but, but still interested, and this link came up. So I started reading through the list, and one of the names on the list was a, a safety for the uh, 49ers, and I think maybe for the Raiders he might have played for, um, named Ronnie Lott. And many of you might remember Ronnie Lott. He was a great safety uh, uh, back in the 80s and 90s, and, and I read this, it, it just gave a blurb about Ronnie Lott. It said um, something about he's the greatest of all time. If, you're, if, you, if you didn't realize it, just, just read about his pinky story. And I'm like, well, that's a weird thing to put in there. So guess what I Googled? I Googled Ronnie Lott's pinky. I've never done that before, you know. Come to find out, um, at one point in his career, he had a broken, uh, broken pinky. And the doctors came to him and said, your pinky is broken. It needs to have surgery. And if you have surgery, then you're going to be out for, I don't know, eight weeks. You won't be training. You won't be lifting. You're going to have to take it easy for eight weeks. 
and Ronnie Lott made the decision because of his commitment to football, he said, you know what, I'm just going to have you amputate my, amputate my finger because I'm so committed to football and those eight weeks I can't live without football for eight weeks, so just go ahead and take the pinky so I don't have to wait as long. Sure enough, the doctors complied. They did what he wanted him to do. They took his pinky, and then he got back on the field quicker than normal. And I was, I was thinking about that story. I was thinking, you know, there's probably a lot of people that wanted to be on the list. But the reason Ronnie Lott is on the list is because he was willing to go to lengths like that to play football. I'm not saying it's smart. I'm not saying that's what I would do. I mean, last year, I mean, you know, last summer I spent eight weeks in a shoulder sling. I wasn't about to have him just take the arm so I could get back in the pulpit quicker. I mean, it's a, it's a silly decision. But for Ronnie Lott, it shows us something that he's so committed to his craft that he's willing to go to those links. And it made me think, well, there's a lot of people that wanted to be on the list, but they're not because of that kind of commitment from Ronnie Lott. And it happens in other areas too that people would love to play the piano well, and, and, but most people aren't willing to put the time in that's required. And, and people would love to pay their house off early, but most people aren't disciplined enough to, to, to say no to many things so they can say yes to the big thing in the end. And young people, you'd love to get better grades. Some of you would love to get better grades. But, but you have to be willing to do the work required. You see, it's one thing to want something. It's another to be willing to take the steps to enjoy that blessing. It happens spiritually. I, I think most of us would say that we want a deep and meaningful uh, walk with God. But that means going to bed early so that we can get up early. And many people aren't willing to say, I'm going to bed at 10 o'clock so I can get up early and spend time with the Lord before I go to work. So yeah, they want a walk with God, but do you understand that having a walk with God is going to cost you something? You don't just get what you want. You have to take steps. You, we, we want kids that behave. We want kids that, uh, children that, that are godly and children that have discipline but it requires consistency at home. And that's hard. You know, I think all of us would say there's something in our life that we would enjoy, that we'd want to enjoy, but we're not necessarily willing to put the work in to enjoy it. And I would think then that we would say, I want to be blessed like Joseph. I would love to have his blessings. I would love to have made the difference he made. But the question is not what we want, but what we are willing to do. Because you realize, and I hope you understand, before Joseph got to make the difference that he made, he was in a pit. And he was falsely accused. And he spent time in prison. He was forgotten. So the question is not, are we willing to accept the blessings? We are willing to accept the blessings. But are we willing to take the steps to get to the blessings? See, Joseph's story to this point has been defined by trouble. We know that. He had a dream from God about his future, and he told his brothers, and his brothers didn't like the dream. They hated him. He was also his dad's favorite. His dad made him a coat of many colors. So Joseph is the favorite. Joseph's had these dreams. One day he's going to reign over his brothers, and his older brothers are like, you, younger brother, we're going to bow to you? I don't think so. And they hated him for it. And the Bible says that they, they couldn't stand him. They saw him from afar off. He was coming to check on him one time. And they said, let's kill our brother. Judah said, let's not kill him. Let's make some money. So human traffickers came along, the Ishmaelites, and they sold their little brother, 17 years old, to these Ishmaelites. And he was shipped down to Egypt, where he was then sold to Potiphar, the captain of the guard for Pharaoh. And listen, rather than throw in the towel... Joseph held on to God's promises. Even when it was difficult. Even Joseph did right in every circumstance. He served his master. He did things well. Every task was done on time. He was diligent in every moment. He had a great spirit. He stood out. And Potiphar noticed. And, and Potiphar ended up putting, over his, putting Joseph over the business of his entire household. Uh, here's Joseph running the house. He's a slave. He's a Jewish slave, and he's running the house of one of the most powerful men in Egypt. 
Everything he touched was successful. He had the Midas touch, you know, no, no matter the situation. And at the beginning of the chapter, he's in Potiphar's house. And at the end of the chapter, he's in prison. But I want you to understand, the same things about Joseph were true in both places. In other words, he wasn't just diligent, and he wasn't just uh, excellent, and he wasn't just mindful, and he wasn't just uh, on time and, and task-oriented in Potiphar's house. He got to prison, and he was doing the same exact things. Yeah. I mean, look at, the, look at the correspondence here. Verse 2 of our chapter, it says, um, And the Lord was with Joseph. So as a slave, the Lord was with Joseph. But look down at verse 21. Uh, but the Lord was with Joseph. Now he's a prisoner. So as a slave, the Lord was with Joseph. And as a prisoner, the Lord's with Joseph. Look back at verse 4. I'm just going to look at these. As a slave, it says, Joseph found grace in the sight of Potiphar. In verse 21, it says, as a prisoner, the Lord gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. In verse 4, as a slave, Potiphar made him overseer of his house. And all that he had, he put in his hand. Look down at verse 22. As a prisoner and the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all, that the prison, all the prisoners that were in the prison and whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. Look up at verse 6. We're going back and forth. It's like a ping pong match, okay? Verse 6 says, and, and as a slave, and he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not all he had save the bread which he did, he did eat. Verse 23, as a prisoner, the keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand. As a slave, look up, back up in verse 3. As a slave, Potiphar saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. Verse 23, as a prisoner, the chief jailer put Joseph in charge because he saw that the Lord was with him and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. So understand, Joseph... Over here at the beginning of the chapter, he's a slave in Potiphar's house and he's doing all of these things just exactly like he's supposed to. But over here, now he's a prisoner in a prison and he's doing everything exactly the same. Do you see the consistency in this young man? I mean, when it was, I mean, I'm not saying it was easy as a slave, but it was easier as a slave than it was as a prisoner. And yet both times, as a slave he did right, as a prisoner he did right. What consistency? Big things, small things. There may not be a more consistent character in all of the Bible outside of Jesus Christ. This young man did what he was supposed to do. He did it when he was supposed to do it. He took care of his business. No matter the difficulty, Joseph was who he was, no matter who was watching. And as a young man even. Let me just say this to our young people. They just got back from youth conference this week and I heard one of the messages from Michael Jones was about being a young person and not waiting till you're old to do what's right. Listen, young people, you don't have to wait till you're in your 20s to read your Bible. You can be godly as a 13-year-old, and you can set an example as a young person. Um, Paul said to Timothy, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example in all of these areas, in word, and spirit, and charity, in faith, and purity. Young people, listen, uh, we as a congregation, there may be plenty in here older than you, but there's no reason you have to wait to get to know God and be an example. Your generation needs some young people that are doing right no matter what. There's no reason. I, I don't see that why there's any reason why we have to look outside these walls to find a new generation of young people willing to step up and set an example. I believe they're right here. And listen, a lot of revivals in history were started with because young people got right with God. They were on fire and, and the rest of us, they said, we said, well, hey, look at that. We, we want a little bit of what they're having. Listen, there's no reason. And see, here's Joseph. Age is no excuse for him to do right. Age is no excuse for him to be consistent. There's no reason you can't set the trends, young people. By the way, if age is no excuse, I look at the ones around here with white hair, and the same is true for you too. Titus says that you have a responsibility. The elder uh, men and women have a responsibility to teach the younger men and women. And you have an example to set. We've got ministry opportunities for you to be involved in if you want to be. But, you know, your prayer is the engine of Eastside Baptist Church. 
and your example is something we're striving for. I just want to start before we get into all this to say that age to God, age is just a number. And he's looking for, it doesn't matter how old, doesn't matter how young, you can set an example and you can lead and you can be consistent. You know, I think it's safe to say that most of us desire to be blessed like Joseph. I mean, I want to, I want to make the kind of difference Joseph did. I, w- I want to be spiritually prosperous. I want to be successful at work. But are we willing, though, to do what it takes to have God bless us? See, to be blessed like Joseph means we've got to strive for that kind of consistency. You don't just walk into these kind of blessings. Joseph was blessed and he was used because of God's grace, but he was blessed and he was used because he had consistent characteristics that God could bless. And we wonder sometimes, you know, we sit and do nothing and we we grumble and, and we've got a critical spirit and we wonder why God doesn't bless us. Listen, God's not obligated to bless us, but I'm telling you, there are some things in us that if we would do more consistently, God would bless us. And it's simple. I just want to point out some consistent characteristics in Joseph's life. Listen, if you want to be blessed like Joseph, here are some things you could do. Number one, you could allow God to do your promoting. Allow God to do your promoting. See, it says in verse 3, his master saw that the Lord was with him. And that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. Verse 5, it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house. And over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in in the house and in the field. Here's Potiphar. He looks at Joseph and he doesn't just see Joseph. He sees Joseph's God. That should be said of us in our workplaces and where we live, in our neighborhoods, that when people see us, they're not thinking about us, they're thinking about our God. And here's Joseph, and and God is all over his life. And when people look at him, they see the Lord. And I love the fact that this doesn't say that Joseph got where he was because he had muscles. Or that he was good looking. You know, it goes against our culture, doesn't it? There's a lot of people in high places because of their muscles and because they're good looking. A lot of our politicians get elected because of their appearance, because of their, char- their charisma. But here's a young man and he's not where he is because of his looks, he's where he is because of his character. Because of who he was. And the Lord was with him. The Lord made him prosperous. It was God who had big plans for Joseph. And we find him in this story simply submitting himself to his authorities and being faithful and being consistent. And listen, I know there are a lot of people out there. And there may be a lot of people at your workplace. And they're doing whatever it takes to promote themselves. They're doing whatever it takes to rise to the next level and climb the ladder. I mean, I'm thinking about even online with social media. There's all kinds of self-promotion going on. You know, social media could be a healthy outlet for communication and encouragement, but it becomes a platform for people to say, look at me. Now from this angle, as if it's different. And now from this angle, and they're pulling things tightly so it looks nice and tight. Here's my food. Like, I want to see that. Here's my dog. Here's me again. I mean, if you think about what's going on on social media, that's kind of what's going on. It's a lot of self-promotion. I'm not saying that every, every intention is wrong. I'm just saying we're in an age, a mark of our last days is that, that men will be lovers of themselves. And it's happening in that there's a self-focus and a self-promotion. And you may have social media, and I'm sorry if that offends you, but you would have to admit that we live in a culture that's much more self-focused than the previous generations before us. And social media is feeding into that mindset. And, and, and so you want to be blessed by Joseph? Well, consistently do right, put your head down, be faithful, and let God promote you. See, and you say, well, I can't get ahead at my job if I do that. Well, would you rather get ahead on your terms or God's terms? Listen, God has a way of promoting those that simply humble themselves and do right. 
Psalm 75, 6 and 7. I read these verses this week, and for the first time it really registered with me. It says, For promotion cometh neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south, but God is the judge. He putteth one down and setteth up another. 1 Peter 5, 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Listen, Joseph was strong enough and he was good and looking enough and he was smart enough that he could have arisen in the ranks based on those things alone, but he doesn't use those to get ahead. He operates by consistent character and conviction and God blessed him for it. And you may be frustrated at work or frustrated at school or frustrated somehow by all the others that are pushing themselves to get ahead. But my message to you is to do right. Let God do the promoting this morning. If the blessing comes from God, it's real. You can try to manufacture something, but the end result won't be the same. So if you want to be blessed like Joseph, let God do your promoting. You just be consistent in your character and conviction. But if you want to be blessed by Joseph, here's another thing. Run away from sin. I know we talked about it last week, but honestly, we could talk about this every week. Joseph had these principles in mind. God was with him. He remembered God's presence. He remembered God's provision. That God had given him what he needed. And he remembered that God had a purpose for his life. And if you can remember those truths, you can resist temptation. You don't have to give in. I love how in verse 12, it says, uh, in, she caught him by his garment, saying, lie with me. And he left the garment in her hand and fled and got him out. See, I don't know what kind of move he pulled. I kind of imagine it was a spin move. Or maybe one of those parkour moves where, you know, you run up the wall and do a backflip. So he does something and she's left just holding his garment. You know what I love? I, don't, I love the fact that he doesn't go back and get it. I love the fact that he's not concerned about anything except doing what it takes to get out of a sinful situation. See, sin always produces death, young person. And, and you can choose the sin, young people, but you don't get to choose the consequences. I mean, you, you can choose, and I'm looking at them, but I could be looking at all of us this morning. You can choose the sin, but you don't get to choose how it ends. And I, was, I, I saw a story or saw a video just this week on the news about these young men with guns that went into a store to rob the store. They had guns out and everything. And they went into the store and they were going to rob it. They didn't realize the guy behind the counter had a shotgun. So you hear a loud boom in the video. And one of the guys starts yelling. He runs out and all of his friends had already left. And he said, he shot my arm off. So he jumps in the car and they drive away. You know what I was thinking? Thinking it sounded like a really good idea when him and his buddies were thinking, we need some money, let's go rob this store. But when you, you can choose the sin, but you don't get to choose how it ends. And that is a picture of the kind of things that are waiting you if you embark on a life of sin. You may think this sounds like a great idea. I can profit from this. I can benefit from this. But like James says, sin always produces death. It always leads to an undesirable end. It makes all these promises about what you can enjoy. But listen, it never pays off. It never delivers. If you want to be blessed like Joseph, run away from sin. If you want to be blessed like Joseph, let God handle vengeance. If you want to be blessed like Joseph, number three, let God handle vengeance. And I, and I knew this one wouldn't resonate necessarily right up front, but I think it's one we need. See, Potiphar, his wife calls the servants together. She blames Potiphar. He tried to force himself. He would have assaulted me if I hadn't cried. And now look, I have proof of his transgression. Here's a coat. Once again, a coat causes Joseph all kinds of problems. Only this time it's used in a way to falsely accuse him. And Potiphar comes home and she tells him the story. And she's, she's a little softer. She says, but you brought him unto us. It's kind of your fault. Verse 19, Potiphar's response, and it came to pass when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, after this manner did thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. 
You know, isn't it interesting, though, that he simply has Joseph thrown in prison? And you may have heard this before, but this would have been a capital offense. This is a Jewish slave trying to force himself on, a, on the, the wife of a high-up official in the Egyptian government. This was a capital offense. And, and people say that Potiphar was the chief executioner, which means, which means that he would have been able to decide if he had wanted to. And really what he should have done and what, he, what would have likely normally happened is that he would have just had Joseph killed. But his wrath is kindled. And I think it's clear that he's not mad at Joseph. He's mad at his wife. Now, maybe that's some speculation, but the fact that he didn't have Joseph killed makes me think, okay, he knew the character of Joseph. He knew the consistency of Joseph. He knew the kind of person that Joseph was, and he also knew the kind of person his wife was. So when he comes home, he hears her accusation, he looks Joseph in the face. I have a feeling who he actually believes. I believe he probably believes Joseph. But in that situation, what are you going to do? You can't just do nothing. Your wife has made this serious accusation. So he takes Joseph and he puts him in the prison with the king's prisoners. He doesn't just throw him in the lowest jail or the lowest prison. I believe he probably put him in a place where he even still had some oversight over Joseph. And I don't know, there's speculation about all that. But I think it's clear that Potiphar was angry, but not because of Joseph. I believe he was angry because he knew that he was losing his best employee. He was angry because he knew that God had, bl had blessed him because of Joseph. He knew that he was prosperous because of Joseph. And, and as all this is happening, what I wanted Joseph to do and what you probably want Joseph to do is stand up on a chair and say, I didn't do it. I'm not guilty. I, 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 this would not be something I would ever do. Potiphar, you know me. But we don't see any of that. You know, we don't see him standing up for himself or defending himself. And listen, in a moment in which this young man, uh, young man most typifies our Savior, Jesus Christ, he's falsely accused and he answers not a word. Listen, because he knows that God is in control of his life. God has a purpose and plan for him. And, and if God is in control, then Joseph can trust his father even in a situation that's completely unfair. See, Joseph knew something that we need to understand, and that is this very important, timeless truth. Life's not fair. And it's one of the hardest lessons to learn when you're young. I mean, I, we're all born with this innate sense of fairness, and I use this example all the time. If you don't believe that's true, just go watch the nursery for a while. Watch one child take a toy from the other child and tell me there's not an innate sense of fairness. We want life to be fair, but even bigger, we want it to be fair for us. Here's the problem. You can't make it fair. And I know people that spend their whole lives trying to right every wrong but if you make your happiness about fairness, you'll never be happy because life is not fair. And, that, and listen, it's no way to live to just frustrate yourself be, your whole life if you expect everything to be fair and everything to be better. And there's a, listen, there's a better way to operate. It's this. Trust God for your vengeance. See, vengeance is mine, he said in Romans 12. In, in uh, Psalm 94, the Lord God to whom vengeance belongeth, the Bible says. You're not a vigilante. And we're not told to make, take matters into our own hands uh, when we're wrong. Jesus told us, resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Listen, God will right all the wrongs because he's never done wrong and he's the judge and he sees from beginning to end. He is qualified to judge, so let him. Now listen, I'm not saying don't stand up for righteousness. I'm talking about when personal accusations come and when somebody does something to you personally on some level. Listen, you're going to free yourself up from the pressure of making everything right in life because it'll never always be right. But you can understand this, God still sits on his throne. And here's where I see it a lot is with parents. You know, parents, don't start some campaign when your kids aren't treated fairly. 
Be careful of this. Teach them that God knows and he's in control. And one day he will right the wrongs. But in the meantime, let's help our children to be faithful and just keep doing right. If we trust that God rights the wrongs, then in the end, he'll make things right for us too. Well, what if somebody says something about me that's not true? Well, tell your side of the story, but let God do his job. See, a lot of people, they get angry. Listen, anger makes you look guilty. Let, let God take care of the talebearers. Jesus said, blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you for my sake and shall say, oh, I'm sorry, and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you for my sake. Jesus said, blessed are ye when that happens. And we think, well, cursed are we because I've been falsely accused or I'm being persecuted or I'm being treated unfairly at work for my faith. No, Jesus said, blessed are ye. I mean, if you're standing up for right and doing right and you face persecution for it, God says you have his blessings. You want to be blessed like Joseph? Let God right your wrongs. That's his job. And by the way, don't be a talebearer yourself. You should not bring false accusations against other people. I'm going to start meddling now here. You know, if you don't know something's true, don't repeat it. And if you want to find out about it, go to the person who it's about, by the way. And if you hear something, go to them and ask them. And this stuff can happen in a church. And, and there are false accusations or false reports. Don't let it happen here. See, we need a mindset that says God's in control. I'll let him take care of my vengeance. If you want to be blessed by Joseph in the end, here it all comes down to this. Just do right in every circumstance. Do right. I mean, Joseph didn't change who he was based on his circumstances. He gets thrown into prison and the Lord was still with him. You know, he, remember what he said when he was tempted? He said, how then shall I do this great wickedness and sin against God? See, that gives us a glimpse into his focus. His eyes were on God, not his circumstances. His eyes were on God, not the trouble around him. And that helped him in his temptation. But it also helped him in his trouble. See, when you're focused on your circumstances and you're looking at all these things going on around you, as soon as they get bad, you lose your reason to do right. But if you're focused on the Lord, your circumstances have nothing to do with whether or not you do right because you're looking at him and he never changes. Amen. Jason and I, uh, this week, we went out, uh, we, we rode our bikes to the church from our house. It sounded like a great idea at the time. We were home, it's my day off, everybody else was gone, so Jason and I, I had to pick up the Tahoe that was here, and so we got on our bikes, and you know, I, it was just one of those days. <laughs> it's about, I don't know, I was, I was thinking, I didn't have it, I didn't look at my watch, but it was, I was guessing 120 degrees, is what I guess, <laughs> give or take. The wind was blowing from the south. And so we live north, of course. So we get on Veterans Parkway and we're, we're riding. And those, I didn't realize the hills are so big. My Tahoe has, handles them better. So we're riding and I'm trying to help Jace to just, you know, keep moving. I said, Jace, you see that, that, see that sign? Can you make it to the sign? He's like, I think I can, Dad, you know. <laughs> and I was like, I don't think I can, Jace. <laughs> no, what? So I, I had gears and everything, so I was doing better than he was. So then we get to the sign, and then I tricked him. First time we realized it. I said, now see that pole? And he's like, oh, no. He thought we were going to get to the sign and stop. <laughs> so now see the pole. And he saw the pole, and, we, and I said, can you make it to the pole? He said, Yes. So we did, and we did that, we did that, and eventually we, we got to the church. You know, see, that's the thing about trouble, is when it, when it comes down to trouble in our lives, if we're looking at the circumstances, and we're thinking about the difficulties and how hard it is, we're going to stop the first chance we get. So we have to place our focus on something unchanging. And Joseph said, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And we know his focus was on God because even in the, in the, in the prison, he didn't, he didn't change who he was. 
See, most of the time, circumstances change who we are because we're focused on the circumstances. But when your eyes are on the Lord, he's, he's consistent. He never changes. And so why then would I start changing who I am when my circumstances change? And if you will keep your eyes on something solid, something unchanging, then you can keep doing right even when the circumstances get to you. See, Joseph wasn't sent to prison, uh, was sent to prison and he was still doing what he should. And, and we need to understand this and all of this, these lessons about how to be blessed by, like Joseph, is that the road to God's blessings doesn't bypass the valleys. You don't get to miss the hard times. You think about Joseph's up and downs. He was exalted, he was humiliated. He was exalted, he was humiliated. It's like a roller coaster that won't end at these ups and downs. And unfortunately, most people believe that God's blessings mean things get easy. And they think that the roller coaster is always on the peak of the hill, but that's not how roller coasters work. There will be times that you go through the valleys and it, listen, if Joseph, it was the case for Joseph's life, it's going to be the case for our lives. That sometimes God's plan allows us to face hardship because he knows that we need the hardships to shape us into what he wants us to become. And this whole message has been called blessed like Joseph, but I hope you realize Joseph's blessings came through hardships. And it may be that you are consistent. And you do let God do the promoting. And you do let God handle your vengeance. And you do run away from sin. And you are committed to do right no matter what. That doesn't obligate God to make your life easy. It's like James says, it's through the trials that we grow. Let patience have a perfect work. Don't begrudge them. Be thankful that God is growing you and strengthening you. And he wants you to mature. And the hardships are there to help you. As we learned in James, be a student, not a victim. Learn what you can. Don't roll up in a ball and, and face the corner and just give up. Listen, are you facing some difficult circumstances? I mean, you've tried to do right and it's all falling apart. You've tried to be consistent, but it seems like your finances, man, they're just still a mess and there's more bills coming. And you've been in church, but it doesn't seem like your marriage is getting any better. Maybe you've been treated unfairly or you've been falsely accused and somebody assumes something about you that's not true and you can't convince them otherwise. Maybe you just don't feel good. Maybe you just, your health is not great and your strength is gone and you're ready to pack it in. I just want to remind you that the road to God's blessings doesn't bypass the valleys. Here's the thing though, you can't get to the highs until you go through the lows. Too many people never get to the blessings because they're not willing to go through the hardships. And if you want the blessings, you have to be willing to submit to the hardships. If you want to be blessed like Joseph, you may have to endure some pits. And you may have to experience betrayal. And you may be falsely accused. And you may be, go through some ups and downs. You may be exalted and then humiliated. But if you want the blessings, you've got to submit to the hardships. Ronnie Lott was willing to amputate his finger for football. What are you willing to submit, submit to for God's blessings? I think about our children. You know, it's a blessing to have and raise children. But, to have, but the commitment to caring and bearing them, is, that's a commitment. The commitment to disciplining them and training them, it's a commitment. You have to decide, though, if the blessing of godly children is, is worth the hardship of training today. I think about friendship. You know, there's a blessing of companionship and having a good friend, but there are times where being a friend is going to cost you. And you have to decide if the blessing of the friendship is worth the cost that, it, that, that sometimes it, it, that comes to me because I'm trying to be a good friend. I think about a strong church. You know, the blessing of, of growing and, and being edified and, and having services like we've had today. I mean, it takes a lot of work and it's a lot of help and I'm thankful for it. But, but there's a lot of commitment to being humble and deferring to other people and serving other people at times. You don't always get your way. But, but we have to decide, is a strong church worth it? Well, I say absolutely it is. 
I think about strong faith and having faith in the Lord, the blessing of having contentment and strong faith that comes with a relationship with Christ. But, but I have to be committed to take steps necessary to walk with him daily, and that's hard. I have to decide if the contentment I have in Christ is worth meeting in his house with his people every time the doors are open. See, we're the, but listen, it's hard, and sometimes we're thinking about how it applies to us, but do you understand that we're the beneficiaries of this mindset? Because one day, Jesus Christ, he, he was on his face in a garden. And he was crying out to his father. And he was, he was thinking about how hard the cross was about to be. And you know, he could have packed it in. But he looked ahead. He said, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Meaning the blessings were still coming. The blessings of being restored with his father. The blessings of being able to provide salvation for people like us. And on that day, Jesus Christ decided. He had already decided. But on that day, we see his humanity fighting against it. But he's, he said, I will go to the cross. And I'll endure the hardship because of the blessing that waits later. And you know what? We, we get to enjoy the benefits of that. So stop assuming it's only hard for you. Because nothing of value ever comes easy. And Joseph didn't get to skip the process. Jesus didn't get to skip the process and neither do you. But it will be worth it. And here is the idea the blessings of God are always worth the hardships of life. The blessings of God are always worth the hardships of life. So what do we do to be blessed like Joseph? Well... You got to be consistent. You got to let God promote you. Run away from sin. Trust God to handle vengeance. And in a nutshell, do right when it's hard. And just let Him take care of all the rest of it. See, here's the thing if you'll be consistent, we serve a consistent God. And He's more faithful than we are. If you'll notice at the beginning, when I was reading from the prison, or from being a slave to the prison, every time Joseph did what he was supposed to do, God did what he was going to do. Every time Joseph did right, God blessed him. Every time Joseph was, was uh, successful, is because God prospered him. Listen, God doesn't miss anything. He sees it when you're faithful. He knows it when you're consistent, and he will reward it. And it may not be till heaven may not be till you get there and that anybody notices that you're sincerely attempting to be faithful. But one thing we do know is that when we get to heaven, God will tell some of us, hopefully, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Because he sees it. And nobody else may, but he does. And there's no greater blessing than knowing God is more faithful and consistent than we could ever be. And I want to end by reading you the words of Brother James in James 1.12. I'll just read it to you. It says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Listen, if you'll be consistent in your character, and you'll just do right no matter what, and you'll look past the circumstances and just keep your eyes on him. And you'll stay pure. You'll let God handle your vengeance. You'll let God do the promoting. In the end, the Bible says, you will be rewarded. Whether or not anybody else sees it, God does. And you will be blessed when you stand before him. Because the blessings of God are greater than the hardships of life. So whatever you're facing, I'm just going to encourage you today, be consistent and just keep doing what you know you're supposed to do. And God will reward you in the end. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Appreciate your attention today. And maybe you're struggling in some area of your life. Maybe you're right now thinking, boy, I'm going through it. Nobody knows, nobody sees how hard it is. Nobody understands how difficult I have it. And I've been, I've been thinking about packing it in. Can I just encourage you, if you want to be blessed like Joseph, just, cons just be as consistent as Joseph. Say, I'm going to stay doing right 
I'm going to let God take care of my promoting. I'm going to let God take care of my, my vengeance. I'm going to stay away from sin, and I'm just going to keep on doing right. Maybe today that's the decision you need to make. It's been hard, and I've been willing and ready to pack it in, but I want to keep doing right. Well, today, be like Joseph. You want to be blessed like Joseph, be like, be like Joseph. Maybe today you say, you know, you've been talking about a relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't know that I have one. I'm not sure that if I died today, I'd be on my way to heaven. I'm not sure that part of my life is taken care of. And I, and I, I would kind of like some prayer about that this morning. Is there anybody here this morning? I know that we'd have a lot of hands say, I know I'm, I'm going to heaven when I die. I know I've got that taken care of. But is there anybody here this morning that would say, I'm not sure that if I died today that my that I would be on my way to heaven. I'm not sure. I don't think I have a relationship with Christ like you've been talking about. Is there anybody in here, just with a quick raise of your hand, you would just, just raise your hand. I see that. Thank you. See that hand there. Thank you very much for being honest. Is there anybody else this morning that says, I don't know that if I died today, I'd be on my way to heaven. I don't think I have a relationship with Christ. Anybody else? I'm looking all around, across the room from left to right. Anybody else? So for this, this one, I, nobody else saw, nobody else knows. I would just want to encourage you. Listen, we have an invitation. And if the Lord's prompting you, you could respond to this invitation. We could have somebody pray with you and show you from God's word how you can know if you died today, you'd be on your way to heaven. For the rest of us, maybe in your life, it's been hard for some reason. You've had difficulties for some reason. And you're, you're thinking about just kind of tossing it aside, packing it in. And maybe today you need to say, no, the blessings are worth it. I just have to get through this season like Joseph did. And if I can, then I trust that God will be as consistent as I am. He always sees and he knows what I've been through. And he will reward me in a way that I, that, that he, that I deserve. And, and I'll let him take care of that. Maybe that's your decision this morning. If that is, then why don't you respond to that this morning? We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.